Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's T. Frank. Today on the BWI Daily Edition, we're doing something a little bit different. What we're going to do is uh, I'm going to hand over the reins, over the control. This is a podcast-only exclusive where we're going to discuss Purdue, Aiden O'Connell, and the offense uh, to get you ready for week one against Purdue when Penn State heads out to West Lafayette. But here's how this works. Uh, I don't want to bald hog the whole episode. So we're flipping roles. Nate's coming on with me. He's going to host the podcast, and I'm just going to hang out and talk about Purdue. So that's coming up here on the BWI Daily Edition in 10 seconds. All right, Nate, here we are, the BWI Daily Edition, talking about Purdue. I'm excited for this. I, I want this to be a little more laid back. I want to have a little more good time with it because I'm not staring down a camera. I can look at stuff. I can be more relaxed. So, Nate, take it away. Let's <laughs> have some fun. Yeah, I'm I'm totally ready for this with my huge, extensive broadcasting background. Dude, you ask, you are a professional question asker. That's you, are an, you are an elite conversationalist, as I know you as a person. So you are born to do this, like for sure born to do this. And you put me in a good mood by complimenting me. That always works. That's <laughs> I know. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works uh, on me, too. By the way, we're very similar. It works on me, too. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, it's funny that it's funny that you wanted to do this today because it does genuinely feel like we've been taking about four months of questions about this Purdue game. Yeah. So to actually yeah. have you take the time and take a look really i think offensive centric is that a fair way to put this conversation i haven't looked at the defense at all like i okay. i focus on the offense first because to me that is the the engine that drives purdue in particular but also football in general so yeah i haven't looked at the defense we can do this later on the defense but this is going to be the offense aiden o'connell and brian brom the play caller yeah and i think i mean you know i think if we're being honest about what the strengths are between two the right both of these two teams or what the expectations are it's strength versus strength so yeah. uh give me the breakdown right aiden o'connell going into year three as a starter what are the things that jump out to you so this is going to be inflammatory to begin with but i'm watching aiden o'connell i'm like oh that's what you want with a sixth year quarterback coming back Woo! like that's what <laughs> That's what Sean Clifford's supposed to be here. And and that's so Aiden O'Connell is that like what they do on offense. So people have asked me to describe the, the Purdue offense. What do they do? How do they do? They do everything. They do a little bit of everything because they have a quarterback and a play caller. They're both very good. So you're right. There are a lot of similarities between Purdue and Penn State. And I've thought that for a long time. Like maybe it's a little more Joe Moorhead Penn State than it is. Mike Yersich Pensee, which I still don't think we know the full story there, 
but these two programs operate in a similar fashion. So I see a lot of Penn State, which means they have a dangerous offense. And I know that people are going to laugh about that over the last two years, but Penn State explosive plays, dangerous offense, and Aiden O'Connell is the trigger man to pull that off because that's the biggest difference between him and some of the other quarterbacks they've had is he will pull that trigger. And look, I like I think that the 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 primary question that has to be asked is, is it about him or is it about the arsenal that's at his disposal? What what makes this engine run for Purdue's offense? Well, it starts with the play caller, right? So it starts with Brom because he's been there and done it with everybody. So this is not this is not a flash in the pan. They suddenly have a quarterback and now the offense is great. They've been able to put up yards and points for years. And so I think it's about the offense and describing kind of their base personnel, what they are. They're a spread team, right? So they want to get in the shotgun and play with three receivers, spread you out. And then from there, they evolve as their personnel and their play calling can dictate. So last season, let's just say kind of last season, they were very flexible in the fact that they had two tight ends. They had David Bell and uh, they used all those weapons well. You know, I think what Penn, again, kind of what Penn State was trying to do with their tight ends of, okay, we can play two tight ends. We can play five wide and that's going to cause you problems because the personnel you put on the field, we are going to take advantage of that. But it goes back again to Aiden O'Connell in that he will make the right decision. So not always, and I shouldn't say he'll make the right decision, but he is far and away an aggressive quarterback, one of the more aggressive quarterbacks. And this is, I think it was Jack Plummer was the starter at the beginning of last season. And this is what I see with a lot of quarterbacks. And I'm going to back up from Aiden O'Connell to kind of explain the picture so that when you know when I'm talking about, oh, wow, this is different when you're watching it. Most college quarterbacks, what they do is they take the safe option. The My coach is going to approve of this decision because in an, in an offensive play, you're running it against what you are predicting from the defense. So there's, there's multi-layers to this, but there are options on a play, right? And a lot of it can come down to pre-snap read and then what happens post-snap. So you have route combinations and there's a... Sh- Generally, there is a short, medium, and long option on plays. And depending on what, let's say, a linebacker in the flat and the corner on that side, depending on what they do, whether it is a man or zone or what you see post-snap, will dictate what route you throw. Most quarterbacks, when they see the first instance of anything happen, they take the conservative route. They'll throw the underneath route. They'll throw the hitch route. They'll throw the flare to the running back. Aiden O'Connell says bleep that, and he throws the intermediate and deep route all the time. So last season, here's a stat that that blew me away when I did, went in and dug in on this because I started from the back and worked to the front, watching him just shred the Tennessee secondary in the bowl game. He had a big-time throw rate from PFF. They track how many of those throws I'm talking about. Intermediate, deep throws. He's number one in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten with C.J. Stroud, he threw 7% of the time, which is a ghastly high number. You're getting towards 10%. Like you're unstoppable of, I mean, 10% of your throws are at least 25, 30 yards. That's insane. Now the problem is he'll put it by the ear hole of any linebacker. So his first throw, when he came in in the Notre Dame game, he's 
standing in his end zone. The ball was on the one yard line. There's a linebacker right in the middle of the field and he throws the ball right by his head to a, a player running a slant for 20 yards. Most quarterbacks aren't throwing that because there's a guy right in their face. Uh, but then he'll throw the ball to the other team. He will put the ball up in one-on-one situations. And it's it's not like he's doing it from a... It's so many times that he's offsetting all the good, but he he just will relentlessly throw the ball into the window he wants, the correct read, and uh, put the ball up sometimes where the defense can make a play. So that's how, really the biggest thing. How you know, and maybe this is, maybe this is a, a good place to start. I mean, how, how heavily are they leaning on the passing game uh, for, for that offense? I mean, is, it, is this, yeah. are we talking about a team that, that is he throwing it 45 times a game? Like, you know, what, what yeah. are the actual yeah. right attempts um, that he's taking in a game versus, uh, a, you know, it's the running game and what they want to do there. So th- this is the interesting thing that I need to dig in a little bit further, and I should have done this before we recorded, but um, I think secretly every spread team does want to have power, right? They want to be able to do both. That's the misconception of everybody thinks you want to be one-dimensional. And Purdue doesn't want to be one-dimensional. Purdue is doing what it needs to to survive like a, like a bear, right? Like an animal in the wild, you're doing what you need to do to survive, and then you develop this perception over time. Um, so they definitely throw to set up the run. So when you've got O'Connell, as opposed to some of the other guys that are taking those dink and dunk passes that are doing the little cut million cuts to get down the field, you can squeeze gaps on the zones on the underneath. You can crowd the line of scrimmage. Aiden O'Connell's really good at hitting the seams. So don't run cover three. Don't run an obvious cover three, because if, if the play caller knows it beforehand, and he sees it, he will hit big plays up the middle of the field in the weakness of your defense. And when that happens, most defensive coordinators go, oh, 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 God, oh, God, oh, God. And then you you bring in four deep, you take your safety out of the box. And then in one game versus Iowa, they're playing five guys in the box, a Mike linebacker in the D line, and that's it. And so when it's running, when it's humming for Purdue, they're hitting big plays, they're backing you off, and then they can get those runs and they can run into those advantageous fronts. Again, that's what you talked about, Mike Yersich, with is when you get those fronts, rip off big runs. And and they yep. were consistent last year in getting good yardage, but they're never going to be a team, I don't think, that has an explosive running back that is a real threat that you've got to do all X, Y, and Z. It's all about the quarterback. So yep. from, from a schematic perspective, uh, and I didn't filibuster long enough to bring up his stats because I got so into what I was talking about. Uh, but let me see if I can do that quickly here. Um, you know, when it comes to how many passing attempts he had per game, uh, because it is, it's all built on the quarterback. Uh, he had 415 passing attempts last year. That's more than Clifford or it's right around there. Sorry. 415 dropbacks, 392 attempts. I think he was third in the big 10 in terms of passing attempts last year. Okay. Okay. Is there, it, you know, look, people are obviously going to be interested in the Penn State side of this equation. Where does the strength of Penn State's defense, you know, uh, in Jair Brown and yeah. maybe some of the middle of, of what that secondary has to offer? What Do you think that that changes that dynamic at all in terms of how much Purdue wants to exploit the middle of the field? 
Um, that's a good question. And it comes back to what you've talked about with Manny Diaz and what he said of you make a mistake. And this is why it's so important week one. And I think this is if I read between the lines, kind of watching the film and seeing what Aiden O'Connell did. And, and so, again, going back to like the first the first viewing I had of him against the Tennessee secondary and you're watching players make mistakes. I don't know if they were young players. I'm not going in and scouting Tennessee and saying, okay, was 22. The safety is he, is he new to this game because somebody moved on NIL, whatever. Like, I don't know that situation. I just know that that dude was getting, you know, busting coverage left and right. And yep. O'Connell found it every time. So new defense safeties have to be on point because this is the other thing is, uh, O'Connell doesn't play favorites. So David Bell didn't get a bunch of targets he shouldn't have gotten. He didn't lock onto that guy. He'll throw to whoever the read dictates. Now mm-hmm. you'll build reads around good players, but the tight end, the third receiver, the running back, it doesn't matter. He'll throw the ball where it's supposed to go. So that's why the receivers mean a little bit less in this situation. They still have to get open. They still have to run the right routes. But again, that's where you say Brahm has always had a good offense. That, system has worked really well for them to produce guys like David Bell, who was not the most athletic guy in the world, but right. ran really great, great routes and was a good football player. So who they brought in, who they have, I think is kind of secondary because you've seen the quarterback willing to throw it to anybody because that's who's supposed to get the football. So right. you can't really hide mistakes from O'Connell because he's going to take advantage of them when he sees them. At least that's what I saw last year. And he'll throw to, I'm telling you, any spot on the field he will there are so many plays where the ball is right over the head of the linebacker or the corner or he'll get those one-on-ones on go routes and he'll just chuck it up and if you're a yeah. good corner you can make a play but if you're not making plays at the catch point or you're you're you know those are the plays i think pensa can take advantage of but number one thing is don't make mistakes and then secondarily i think you do have to get pressure on him uh up front does does you know and and this changes obviously kind of game to game but does the the hands up uh situation for linebackers and and your defensive front do you think that that makes a difference at all for him or is he just completely unafraid of those types of circumstances you mean like batted balls yeah i mean is that do you, do you do you project penn state to emphasize that particularly for this game given his seeming fearlessness for throwing into traffic uh, well you just got to know what you you just so this is where this is where the conversation about safety versus linebacker comes in in certain packages and in certain plays because if you're a linebacker and, and Curtis Jacobs is a great example of a linebacker that has safety skills, cause he's going to know he's going to have a feel for where the receiver is behind him. And this is where, you know, you got those big long linebackers for Iowa, but they didn't really move well in space. And they didn't have great instincts for where the ball is necessarily, at least in that game. I know that they had a lot of bad passes last year, but again, you're, you're talking about a guy who's putting the ball on the money when he's doing these things. Yeah. So, you got to have an awareness for where your zone is and you got to have an awareness where the receiver is and know where your weaknesses are. And, you know, if you're a safety, you know, if you're Jonathan Sutherland, you're Tyler Elsden, that's what we're talking about. Or it's about making sure that he's not in that situation where you're expecting him to play coverage and to let Purdue slice and dice you if you aren't good in those situations. So, you know, I, Last year, they were just too good 
in a lot of these situations that we're talking about of if you weren't an elite linebacker or you didn't have something that was changing the mathematics, if it's an even playing field, he was making the right read enough times that he's just going to get those. They're going to get those. Even in this game, even if Penn State's playing well, they adjust well in game. Going back to what we talked about at the beginning, if they do a little bit of everything, they can run counter. They can run outside zone. They can run quick game. They can run screens. They can throw the ball down the field, which is what the aggressive part I think they want to be. But they'll they'll adapt in the middle of a game, and they'll get you on a couple things. You have to be able to adjust back and put them in another disadvantage uh, some other way. Yeah. Is Manny Diaz and uh, just from the the circumstances that you're uh, describing, it, it, you know, it certainly sounds like a, de- a defense has to bring to that offense something to throw it off of the tracks a little yeah. bit. And so what is the effectiveness of all of the exotic blitz packages, you know, the stuff that Manny Diaz um, likes to mix in and likes to feature with his defenses. Do you see that as an effective tool to, to doing that? Does that, does that rattle him at all? Yeah. I guess as a yes. quarterback. It, yeah, so the one game where he I, he was bad was Wisconsin, and they were doing some of that stuff. Where you you remember last year, those Wisconsin linebackers were rabid animals. They just flew downhill. They didn't care. They got in the backfield. They were good at timing their blitzes, and whether it was run or pass, they were getting in those situations. So Purdue likes to run a lot of play action. So they they it's hard to say. Like they don't run a lot of RPO, but they run a lot of they run RPO. They don't run a lot of motion, but they use motion. One of the things they really love to do is they do love to move the pocket against aggressive teams where they'll do play action rollouts, move the pocket. They love play action power, which is where you're pulling your left guard to make it look like you're blocking, but really he's coming to replace the right tackle, which to me is the dumbest thing in the world. If he were the best athlete, he'd be at the tackle position anyway. You know, this is total tangent, but like this used to bother me when Steven Gonzalez was doing this and like, I love Steven. You know, I, I, I thought he was a great story, but there was a reason he's playing guard and you're asking him uh, to block a free rusher for Ohio state, who is a speed player. So it, that's, you know, that's always an area I look at. I'm like, okay, if they're running play action power, you, you just get that free rusher in his face and you can, you can rattle him because again, O'Connell's going to throw the football yep. in that situation. He'll, he'll kind of Sean Clifford it and he'll throw the ball up and you can go get it. And he's not always careful with where he puts the football. So if you've got good technique as a defensive back and you break on the ball and you know what you're doing, that's where I think Manny Diaz is defensive. If you can put pressure on him and those DBs are ready to jump those routes and those bad balls and you stay patient and you don't get afraid when they complete a couple, you can start getting two or three turnovers on O'Connell. Now he's still going to hit some. And that's going to be the balance of does your offense then take those and make points themselves? Is that is, you know, it's it's hard to, um, to, you know, to know the readiness uh, in terms of ball hawking of Penn State's defense. But do you see this as when it's game week and the conversation is happening? James Franklin has his weekly press conference. Obviously, we talked to a couple of players midweek. Well, in this case, it'll be early in the week for the Purdue game. Are they talking about an opportunity or are they talking about being careful? I think there's an opportunity. You have to, I think you have to look at this as an opportunity uh, because of that, because the one 
I think the one real weakness, other than everything, he does looks ugly. So I should, it's a bit of a Phil Rivers sort of throw, and he never really strides, even for like a rotational thrower, he rarely strides into his throws. And there's some, that's what I'm saying, there's some ducks he throws to the field side, where if you're a good corner and you're waiting for it, you can break on that and get a pick six. So you got to look at it as an opportunity. Uh, because that's what Manny Diaz's defense is built on is, okay, he's going to give you those opportunities because he's not afraid. Yeah. So put them in third and long by stopping the run, uh, rallying on screen passes, all the things they do early in the down, and then put them in a bad situation because they are, in the end, an inferior front five. Like They are gotcha. not a great offensive line and here's the thing is like they're losing their left tackle they yep. believe they've lost their right tackle as well to graduation and their right guard so one of the guys they were playing last year i i didn't get through the full spring game because you never know who's playing and not playing but i believe that their backup right tackle who played a lot last year think he's playing left tackle this year okay. so a quasi new starter i didn't think he was that, like i never think any of these offensive linemen are all that great because you, you, there's such a vast difference between like NFL guys and guys that play in college. Right. Um, but these guys are, they work well together. They're, they're well disciplined. You're not going to get a lot of mental mistakes from them. Um, but they're not great athletes. And, yep. and that's where I think the PJ Mustafer role, whether it's PJ or Ellie's or, or somebody else, um, that's an important role. Because you've got to get them in negative yardage situations. So the the nose tackle for Wisconsin ate up the interior of that offensive line last year. And that was where they really struggled was now they're in longer situations. The pressure from that front seven brought them into some disadvantages, which they then countered and took advantage of, but then they started giving the ball away. Yep. So stopping the run putting them in the screws to them aggressively up front. That's what Manny Diaz does. So I do think it can be a good matchup, but you have to take advantage of those opportunities when you get them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You've, you've already touched on this to a certain extent, or at least I'm, I'm inferring that you have. But obviously, one of the big conversations that people are having about Purdue's offense is, is the losses that they've had, uh, certainly at receiver in Milton Wright. Um, yeah. And I think, I think they're down a tight end as well. Are, are you suggesting that because of O'Connell's, the you know, demeanor right the way that he plays the game that those are maybe less of a factor than they're being spoken about at this point 
Could you name anyone other than David Bell last year from that offense? I couldn't. Like, uh, you know, somebody yeah, I'm who not didn't the guy follow them. Yeah. Right, but like you you know some players nationally, even around the Big Ten, you could name two or three Ohio State Buckeyes. You could name Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Uh, you can name David Bell, and then that, that's it. Um, so it mitigates it. Like having good players is always preferable, yeah. but it mitigates that. Uh, I do think losing, I think, 88, Torres ACL. I this is by the way unconfirmed. Somebody, somebody, somebody's somebody's somebody told me this, and I haven't verified it for myself before the podcast. But I do believe they've lost one of their tight ends to a torn ACL. So that does kind of change what they can do from a run perspective and from a play action perspective because they used those guys very well last year to disguise some looks, leak those guys late off of pass. You know, do using tight ends creatively outside of just targets. Yeah. Um, and it did help their run game a little bit. So that I think is a factor, but the receivers I'm expecting them to perform because they always perform Sheffield number eight. He's back this year. He was a good target. He did well. Um, but Penn state's superior. That's the thing is Penn state is a superior team from back to front. There's, there's no question about that. It if, comes down to me. It's Aiden O'Connell is the difference here. If you, if you were looking at this game, game and I you know I'm not sure how far down the rabbit hole this goes but if you were to say to yourself what's what is the thing that Penn State can't do what 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 is something yeah. that Penn State cannot do is it uh you know Purdue playing with a lead right once Purdue yeah. is up by two scores that with that offense having that type of a cushion they're just going to be pedal to the metal is is yeah. there is there one thing that stands out to you that oh man Penn State, if you do this, uh, trouble is awaits you. Yeah. So part of that is about the defense for Purdue. And do they have a George Karloftis? What What are they bringing back this year? And I, like I said, I haven't really done. I haven't dug into that. We'll have to do this again is what that means. He, we'll have to, he ain't we'll have coming back. This. I can tell he's, you that. He's definitely not coming back. But is there a George Karloftis this year? Is there a guy that is like that uh, to, to then put Sean Clifford in his worst situation? Um. I don't know that yet, but from from the defensive perspective, from the from that side, don't let them get comfortable. That's one thing. And that comes back to stopping the run and don't let them get easy yards. Just play sound football because it, it I don't want to say it's like a service academy where like if you know the formula to stop it, you can stop it because, you know, there is a differentiating factor here of a good quarterback. And 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 by the way. I'm talking about Aiden O'Connell like he's great and he played at an elite level, but he's not going to the like I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. Like I was gonna ask, do you have is he an undrafted free agent? Is he a yeah, yeah. Rounder? Just, What's I have a hard time with arm strength because the ball always gets there for him. But I'm watching some of these DBs, and and this is again, this is gonna sound like I'm throwing shade at Iowa, but like some of their DBs had terrible technique. You know, Dave Bell's running a route and it's not a route that I've seen a whole lot where he's running. He's running a go route. Then he's p cutting the post then he's cutting back to the you know, he's running a post corner and then it, and it cuts back in for a uh, for a comeback route. And and the DB is biting on every single one of those cuts. <laughs> so so just take good angles and be smart. And and Tig Tig Brown could come out of this game with an interception or two if he gets the opportunity because again there's going to be a couple plays where the ball goes right by his head and there's nothing he can do about it because O'Connell has that in him 
but he can also get a pick six in this game. I could see that being what snowballs Penn State. But when yeah. it comes to don't let him get comfortable, you know, take away their running game because they'll do anything to get a running game. Last year, they were running quarterback options. They had the Will Levis offense out there with a two QB system with the plumber kid and then number 12, who, uh, you know, was another running quarterback. They'll run in jet sweeps. They'll, it, you know, the last thing you want is you want to be playing five man boxes and giving them yardage. That's easy. Yeah. So dominate up front and then put the screws to them. Because yep. if you're putting it all on O'Connell, you know, you can get a couple from him and you can change, change the game. I don't think you can shut. I don't think you shut it down, but you definitely can get a comfortable lead and, and take this one early. If you can get a couple plays. Give me your overall assessment. Are you impressed when you watch Purdue offensively? Did, you know, look, I saw, I'm sure you did, coming off of the Penn State at Iowa game, everyone saw Purdue kind of dismantle Iowa the next week, yep. right? I yep. mean, that Because they didn't the have game. a pass rush. They didn't have pass. They did the exact same game plan that Penn State did. It's yeah. just Penn State, when, the, when they got those light boxes, they couldn't take advantage of it, and Sean Clifford didn't hit those deep passes. And Sean Clifford gave the ball away in even-handed situations. Purdue had basically the same plan. Attack their secondary, because despite how good it was at getting the football, they weren't they were they were more than they were built up to be or they they weren't as much as they were built up to be you could beat them and yeah. penn state was beating them but they lost their quarterback and they gave the ball away early and and purdue didn't do either of those things so yeah it's kind of the same again it's kind of the same offense i see a lot of similarities here and yes i am impressed with that offense is is when you when you maybe contextualize that a little bit you know how does it stand, I guess, against the rest of the, the, the Big Ten? Because honestly, th this is an offense that finished uh, in the Big Ten. Let me make sure I get this right. Seventh in scoring mm -hmm. last season at 26 and a half points a game. So it's yeah. not it's not as though. And obviously there's kind of the, the law of transition, right, where you don't know exactly that last year can be used as an indicator of what's to come. Certainly in Penn state's case, they're hoping that's not the case, but it, you have a returning starting quarterback. You have a guy who's had some success. Uh, you know, is this a, is this a situation, I guess, where Purdue's offense this season, you think, Oh, well they're seventh last year. They can jump to third, right? They get, they get score yeah. at will, or they have the opportunity to score, at at a much higher clip than they did last season. So what was what was Purdue's record last year? They they finished with nine wins. They did, including the bowl win. So they were actually yeah. eight and four during the yeah. regular season. Yeah, and they had you know again I'll, I'll use the PFF cheat code here of elite quarterback play. Like yeah. O'Connell finished with a ninety overall, and that's including how many turnover worthy plays he had and how many big time throws. So it is very that's that's the story. But they, with elite play, they finished with two more wins, including the bowl game, than Penn yeah. State. So, Penn, you know, and Penn State had the opposite of that from the quarterback. So, you know, as much as I'm describing this as a team that is impressive and dangerous, and, and that's really the thing, is they're a dangerous team that you have to beat. And I think Penn State can beat them, but, you know, it goes back to the Penn State offense. Like, do they score points? Because... Yeah. 
you're going to have to do that. You're not going to beat Penn. You're not going to beat Purdue. I don't think you're going to beat Purdue 20 to 13. Yep. Because they're going to get, I think they'll get 20 points. Now there's been certain games where last year they didn't, but they also for the first month of the season, were not playing their best quarterback. So, you know, there's give and take there about the overall assessment from that perspective. Yep. But yeah, even with O'Connell, they, they, they can be beat. Even with a good quarterback making good decisions, there are systematic flaws that they don't have a good offensive line that does not run block at a high level. And they require these elements to make it a good run, uh, you know, a serviceable part of the team. Yep. Uh, Penn State always has the potential to be a complete team. They've got better recruits. They've got better talent. They just need the quarterback to play like the dude across the, the field. And if that if that guy shows up for Penn State, I don't really have a question about, um, you know, the ability to win this game. If you get a turnover, especially Penn State's in business. Yeah. And and I think that that script can play out. But we've seen plenty of other scripts where, where Penn State could get boat raced if they turn the ball over and their offense is ineffective. Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not expecting that, though. I do think Penn State will get points and yards in this game. It is it is just kind of interesting looking at Purdue's wins and losses last year. I mean, they've got two really top 25, top 15 wins, right? Then Iowa yeah. was number three at the time or number two, and then they beat Michigan yeah. State later in the season. But then also yep. pretty predictable, right? 59 to 31 uh, against Ohio State. Yep. Uh, Wisconsin beat them pretty easily. Yeah, but, that uh, game Notre no, Dame I'll, beat I'll, them pretty easily. I'll I'll say this about that game against Wisconsin: it was thirteen thirteen in the third quarter, so it was it became late in the game. That's what I'm talking about. With late in the game, O'Connell started throwing the ball away, and one of the things that this brings up a, another thing I wanted to talk about is there's you know, there's a couple ways you can you can do this, but um, one concept I really liked is they dropped eight, which you know most of the time. That means you're you're playing prevent defense or, or things like that. Um, you're dropping more players than is normal, and this is kind of one of the ways it's going in college football, where it's like, is this is this really football anymore? Where you're rushing three and dropping eight. But what they did that I liked was they they instead of playing four under four over, they had a whole defender and they played cover three, which means there's a guy that's basically a free man, right? So he's reading the quarterback, he's reading the routes, he's breaking on stuff, and he's outside of the defensive structure. So I thought that was a creative way to do that, but they, in those situations, they got him to third and 18. And they got a couple of big-time picks because O'Connell threw the ball right to the other team. <laughs> that's the guy you got to bring out in this game. Is you yeah. gotta, The gunslinger has to be shooting himself in the foot because if, if they're even strength and they're meticulously getting the right play in diagnosing what you're doing, throwing behind the blitz. That's another thing too, is I don't think blitzing is a great idea unless you get free rushers in his face, because if you're sending Iowa tried to get pressure, they sent five. He, he's a, he's a smart quarterback. That'll throw the ball right over. They'll replace where the blitzer was and they'll get that ball. Now, if you're, if you're Manny Diaz and you're playing the 3d chess game, and then you're pre you're predicting their prediction, like then we're getting two or three shades deep of of elite coordinator battles. Yeah. But for the most part, college players aren't doing that. Like they're not going to be that good. Right. So, you know, I, I think that's a big part of Purdue takes advantage of bad play by the other team. But if you play a good team and you play the fundamentals of, of football, you should beat this team because they're they're every advantage they're finding.
But gotcha. if you don't give it to them, they don't have it. Yep. Well, I don't know about you, but that seems about the most appropriate way to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, as Penn State, you know, really heads into the the heart of its second week of preseason practice. The, the, any final thoughts? Anything that else that you want to make sure that you get touched on? Uh, how do we do? Was how how'd you like this this uh, role reversal? You know. I'm a, I'm a little uncomfortable, but I think I'm getting there. If we do it enough times, we'll we'll be there. We can listen. I love listening to you talk football. So if if you if you have uh, you know certain things that need to get across, I'm happy to uh, to to tee it up for you and let you knock it out of the park. Couple state of the unions, you know. Yeah, a little <laughs> soliloquy. Yeah. I, well, so that's that's another. That was another, you know, just now we're hearing the air check on air at the end of the podcast. But one of the things is I get all excited and then I start monologuing. My wife says you can't radio people in real life where you just go on and say all the words. So, yes, that wasn't. (laughs) So anyway, I had fun. I hope you had fun. So that's my final thought is this was fun. Love it. Let's do it again soon. All right. That'll do it for the BWI Daily Edition. Come back tomorrow. Nate is back. We'll be back on camera. Everything will be synced up again. We're doing our mailbag episode, so get your questions in. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com on the message board and, of course, on Twitter at Thomas Frank Carr. I'll be throwing that up on Twitter tonight. We'll be taking the best questions, and we'll be doing this again. Another long-form conversation, and I'll let Nate talk a little more tomorrow. That'll do it today. We'll talk to you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.